If you have your Bibles, would you open with me to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through 14. Hebrews is a, is a book, I want to remind you of the theme of a book. See, if we're going to understand the context of the book, we have to understand who it's being written to, why is it being written, that we make sure that we stay on target the interpretation. I say this because uh, this section that we'll be going into the next few weeks is probably some of the most difficult passages where people will argue and fight and divide within the church. And I don't think we should divide over it. We may believe something because we read it, but we should never separate ourselves from another Christian. It's not essential, but I think it's important, especially today and next week is very important, really, each of us to examine ourselves to see where we're at in the faith. With that said, let me open in prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for a text that is challenging, is brief, but it's to the point. And that's our desire, really, to understand the point that you have for us. To understand, really, what you're saying. To hear, to learn, and apply. Lord, that is our desire. So remove the distractions. Help me to communicate this passage clearly. In Jesus' name. Amen. I titled this message, It's Time to Grow Up. Imagine for a second that you're a mom or dad. For those that have been a mom or dad, you understand. And your child is now 22, 25, 30, 40 years old. And he still acts like he's 7 or 8 years old. See, this is what this passage is talking about is there are many within the church have been in the church a long time and they should be teachers by now. But they've never grown up. They've never matured. And we kind of laugh at that. He desires that you would deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him daily. He wants us to, to grow and move from the milk to the bread to the to the meat of the word, but there's some that are still 20 years and 30 years from never growing. Still struggling with the basics, still being tossed and turned of every wind of, of doctrine. Every time a, a new thing comes by in the church, they're after this and they're chasing after that. Every time there's something new in the, the newspaper, they're responding with great emotions. And God's called us to be men and women that people will look up to. Men that are assured of where we're going when this life is over. Men and women that are calm, that younger women will go to the older women and, and put themselves under and learn. And the same with the men. Men and women of stability. 
men that when we are in the workplace, and that is women as well, that when we're in the workplace that our, our bosses can count on us. They, they, they know we reach that maturity. We're responsible. We don't see that in the world as much. Oh, they're out there. I, I, I see them. But those that are in the workforce, those that are owning businesses and managers say it's so hard to find people that are responsible, that will show up to work, will do what they say they will do. It's the same way in the church. It's the culture that we've raised up is because we've, we've basically, in a sense, turned away from the word. Oh, no, we can read the word, but we fail to take the word and apply it to our own lives. We fail to understand the importance of the word of God. How this word needs to, to get into our heart. Or I use that term that the word needs to become flesh in us and dwell in us. That we no longer have to think. It's just we naturally do what's right. We've learned to discern what's right and wrong. It's a natural thing. We just turn away from evil. We turn away from sin. This is where God wants to bring us. And we need to say, God, forgive us. And we need to repent. And we need individually become the men and women that God has called us to be. We need to look at the word in a, a different way. And when God speaks and when God repeats himself, it's very important he repeats himself. You know as a mom, as a dad, when you say something to your kids and you have to repeat it two or three times, it's important. And sometimes we've, we've listened to it, but we have not mixed it with faith. We've seen that. Again, the Hebrews that he's writing to, they're Hebrew believers or professing believers in every church. There are believers and unbelievers. They're going through the moves. And they're on the verge of apostasy. We've been talking about this off and on, and as we get into the next chapter, we're going to talk about losing salvation. Can you lose salvation? And I don't believe you can lose salvation. Once saved, always saved. It will be demonstrated you're saved in the way you live your life. You will mix this word with faith. You will walk it out in your life. You will keep your eyes upon the author and the finisher of faith, and you'll not be distracted by whatever is going on in this world. Because you know that Jesus is the answer. And he's told us what the word of God has said. Now I'm going to read what seems to be somewhat of an obscure passage, just as a springboard. Two verses I want to focus on, mention, and then we'll get into our text. The first one comes from the Old Testament, and this is to show you there's going to be an Old Testament and New Testament, to show you that this principle that I'm showing you is throughout the whole Bible. It's not something I've taken from an obscure passage and I'm, I'm giving it to you today because I can do that and make the Bible say anything at once. And the, and the church is sometimes guilty of that. It's a great message. But if it's not the Word of God, what God intends, we should not want it, whether it sounds good or not. It's in Deuteronomy 31, verse 12. It says, Assemble the people. The men and the women and the children and the alien who are in your town so that they may hear, learn, 
and fear the Lord your God and be careful to observe all the words of his law. We've been talking about that law. It's important to understand three words if you have a pen or a pencil underlined in your Bible because they're very, very important. It's the word hear, learn, and fear. Our prayer should always be to hear God speak. When you read the, the Word of God, you should have this intent to hear what God is saying, and you should want to understand what He's saying, learn, and you should have this fear of Him, this reverent fear that you want to do exactly what the Scripture says because God loves you so much. There's always warning before wrath. If you do not do, if you do not listen, you will suffer the consequences of wrath. This is what he's saying to the Hebrew people here. I'm pulling out of Deuteronomy. He's speaking to Israel at that time. The people don't hear it. They don't learn, he's saying, and they don't have this healthy fear of God. See, this is a warning. These are the, the difficult words, and, and sometimes people apply this book, Hebrews, to Paul, and I don't think Paul has written it. I don't believe that. But what they're going to say about Paul is true about this book here. It's in 2 Peter. You won't find this one on the screen. As Peter called them, and, and some things are hard to understand, which they are unlearned, unstable, rest unto their own destruction. Basically saying, you know what? Some of the things Paul wrote are very difficult in the book of Hebrews. They're very difficult if you do not understand the context, why this is being written. God wishes none to perish. It's time. It's time to grow up, he's saying. Look around. See what I want to do. See the opportunities to minister and share with people that we've never had before. Quit thinking about yourself. And this is why it's so important. So he says in Deuteronomy, hear, learn, and fear the Lord. The Lord is capital L-O-R-D referring to that covenant God. Israel was in a covenant relationship. If you've been born again, you are in a covenant relationship. You're in that, grafted into that new covenant, sealed with the blood of the Lamb. So we are to hear and know and really obey is what we're supposed to do. If we fear him, we will obey him. If you love me, he says, then you'll keep my commandments. And this is where 2 Corinthians says, examine yourselves and see if you're of the faith. In the context of that passage is that the Corinthians there weren't acting like Christians. That's why, again, the, the message here is a, a wake-up message. The, the book, it dovetails together. Now, the book of Revelation is an exciting book. It's a book that you can really understand. I was teaching that on Wednesday morning. And in Revelation 1.3, this is what it says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and heed the things written in it, for the time is near. Again, if you have a pencil or a pen, 
There's three thoughts that I want you to underline there. The first one is, blessed is he who reads, or the word reads. And the, hear, hear the words of this prophecy, and heed the things written in. And see, it's the same thing. The, the word of God is to be read. That's why oftentimes I'll read the whole passage before we actually look at that passage. Blessed or happy is the man. Now, in the context of the book of Revelation, it's, it's because it's about prophecy. But it's the same applies to the whole Bible. Happy is a man that reads it aloud and shares this word of God with the world. Second, blessed is the one who reads and those who hears. At that time, they didn't have an iPad like I do. They didn't have a Bible like you did. It needed to be read aloud. And people would hear. We are to listen with intent. We are to hear God. God, I want to hear you speak. So it is that blessed, happy is the man, is another way of saying, who reads it aloud, who hears. And I'm going to say, when you're at home, read aloud. Listen, let it marinate your mind. You don't have to do that all the time, but I believe there's a special blessing, but I think the third thing really shows you where the blessing is. Blessed is the man who reads, who hears the words of this prophecy, and in this case prophecy means foretelling, taking all the Old Testament events, prophecy, and tying it together. So culminating so you can understand what the end times is all about. But he goes on, he doesn't stop, and heed the things that are written. For the time is near. The time is near. I don't know what the time. I'm not a date setter. I'm not trying to read into the lines or read into the newspaper. I don't feel qualified to do that. And we, when we read now, we, we need to read it aloud. We need to marinate our mind. We need to listen with our mind and our hearts and God, what do you want me to do? Or in this case, it's using the word heed. Apply. And for those that say, oh, this book is not relevant today, this blows it out of the water. The very fact, he says, blessed is the man who reads it, hears it, and heeds it. There's a message in there when it says to heed it, it's something that you and I are to do, to apply to our lives. That's the principle that I want you to get today as we look at our text today. It's a short text. It's not enough just to, to, to read it. It's not enough just to hear it. You've got to heed it. You've got to examine. Because we're in the end of those end times. And that should not be scary. In fact, it's, we should really think about it. This is a great time to be. Such a time as this to see prophecy being fulfilled. Yes. But not read into it. Not dwell there. Please understand, we're not to dwell there. The Bible says that we're to recognize these times. It never says dwell there. Because you're still here. You're still, as, as a believer, being saved or sanctified. You're still to be conformed to the image and likeness of God. There's a work still needs to be done in you. I know that. You know why? Because you're still here. I'm still here. He's not done with me yet. And there's a work out there that needs to be done. 
and we need to take it serious. See, if we have, as I mentioned in Deuteronomy, that fear of the Lord, we realize that God has entrusted us with a mission. We call that the Great Commission. So there's a message to heed, especially in the book of Revelation. And just a thought on the book of Revelation, if you know, want to know what that message in the book of Revelation is, you read chapter 2 and 3, which is that church age. And I'm not going to go there now. And that gives us a picture of seven churches. It gives us a complete picture of the condition of the church, the good, the bad, the ugly, the church that needed to repent, the church that was unsaved, the church in persecution. But then there's things of exhortations at the end of each of those churches. They need to apply, and that's what you and I need to heed. At the end of each one of those churches, it says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Today's message is not from the book of Revelation, but it's the same. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. This is not just Calvary Chapel. This is the church universal. Those who have entrusted their lives to Jesus Christ. Well, let us read our brief text and we'll look at it more in detail. Hebrews 5, verse 11 through 14. Concerning him, he says, We have much to say, but it's hard to explain since you have become dull in hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. You come to need milk, not solid food. For everyone who partakes only in milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. For he's an infant. The solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good from evil. It begins there in verse 11 of our text concerning him, the references we mentioned the name last week, Melchizedek. The king of Salem we saw, who brought out bread and wine to meet Abraham, to have communion with them. He was the priest of the, again, that, that most high God. And we're going to look at him more in detail later on, but it briefly mentioned, and we briefly mentioned it, the author here, whoever he is, is he's wanting to, to talk about him. This is exciting what God was doing. God was at work already at that time. He, he had faithful witness there. God has had a, a faithful witness, a testimony, a remnant at every generation. In every generation, there are those that hear the word, but they never mix it with faith. They hear the word. They never grow. They never mature. And some, which we'll see next week, apostatize. It means they become apostates. They said the right words. They went to church. They gave. You couldn't tell the difference between them. But when things got tough, 
they stepped away. They denied the Lord. There are people in every congregation that one day will step away from the Lord. There will be pastors and elders and deacons, evangelists. We've, we've seen it in past. It's not going to be any different. We're all cut from the, the same group. We're all bent towards sin. That capacity is in each of us still to sin, to turn. Again, when you look back at that text, concerning him is much to say. It's, it's hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. I'll talk more about that. But they, they once heard. They once were excited. But now they're dull. They no longer want to hear the word of God. It no longer excites them. They no longer find comfort in it. These are people that are coming to church. This is why I say we need to examine ourselves. Am I in the Word? Am I excited about meeting with the God? Maybe, maybe you're not there. Maybe, maybe you need to cry out. In my prayer, Lord, I don't have the hunger for you that I want. I want a greater passion, a greater love. It's no shame to pray that. And pray it with someone else and tell somebody you're not as much as you want. Yes, we're growing in the love and grace of Jesus Christ, but the, when you love a person, you will grow in that love and knowledge of them. What this person is talking about is one is no longer growing. This person is drifting. And people don't know it. They don't even recognize it in their own life. Here's one of the biggest problems in the church today is really a, a dullness, an apathy for God, for his word. They want entertainment. It's not that the, the, the doctrine isn't available. It's not that it's even being taught. It is being taught. But people don't want to hear it. The end times, in 2 Timothy, when we went through it, it talked about those end times. People have itching ears. They no longer are content with doctrine. Doctrine simply means teaching what God wants to teach us. Verse 11, look with me again. We, we have much to say. It, it's hard to explain. And it's important that, that they don't want to hear. It's a serious problem. And especially for the Jewish people, because they knew so much, and their eyes should be open to see God was always there with them. God had a plan from the very beginning. Even when they fell, he was there to pick up the pieces. But the words, the truth, it's difficult. And that's when you and I need to pray, God, I, I just don't understand it. I know in my own life, I have to throw up my hands sometimes. God, I just don't get this. I'm, I'm not sure about this. And that's what God wants to hear from you and me. Honesty, transparency. God, I cannot understand this unless you explain it to me. And then 
He will show you, but also then he'll confirm it in, in, in reading, whether it be the Bible or someone else will share something with you, or you'll open up a Bible dictionary or commentary, or you turn on the radio, something, and, and God will confirm it again and again and again. And you'll be a Berean. And you'll look to see if it's really so and examine it. You won't just believe it because you hear it, you test it, you prove it. And it's true. But the people today have a failure to understand, a failure to want to know. They have an inability to learn. We just don't, can't understand. In reality, what we're saying is we don't want to know. I know we can't go to football right now, and we can't go to a lot of things right now, and can't go to concerts and things, but in a, a normal situation, if you stop and think, a person can go to a, a ball game for three hours and sit there, and, and, and people don't want to be in church for an hour and a half. An hour's too long. 45 minutes is too long. They'll go to a concert. And it shows the, the apathy for God in there. And the, these should be like little red flags going up in our life. What is really important? Am I really seeking first the kingdom of God? Is, is righteousness? I know that he'll add all things. He will lead me into all truth. Well, the people here, they, they had a problem. They just didn't want to know. They hadn't grown. It wasn't a physical problem. It was a spiritual problem. Their relationship with God was not right. Well, they might thought it was right, but obviously wasn't right. Christians today, oftentimes, they, they, they church hop. Like going to a buffet restaurant, you can go down, and, and I, I kind of like that. Okay, a little fish here, a little this, a little that. Oh, crab legs, and, and we move down, and we get a little bit of everything. But church is not meant to be that way. We need the whole word the whole counsel of God's word. And we want to partake. And we want it to become flesh in us. We need to listen with intent. We need to learn and apply it to our lives. To heed the things that are written in. But see, the church, those that he's writing to, they're, they're sluggish. That's what that word means, dull. They have no push, no drive. You know, we don't have a formal membership in our church. I have a phone list. And I know times are different right now. And because of the, again, the virus, some people are hesitant. I understand and I respect that and they watch online. But in a normal situation, if people want to be here, they'll be here, right? You go every place you want to go. You do everything you want to do. But that sometimes shows that God is not number one in their life. People say, I don't have enough time to read the Word of God. I, I'm just too busy. They're really saying God is not important. He's not preeminent in their life. And we need to make Him first. These things are all red flags. This is the concern. That people are, that are falling into this rut are going to be those that are going to be apostates when that time becomes real difficult. Go back and read later on Matthew. Chapter 13, that first parable. The sower 
and the seed. The seed is the word of God, and, and there's different conditions. It falls on different hearts. Look at what draws people away. Oh, they make a quick profession, but eventually they fall away. There's no fruit in their lives. See, the warnings through the whole Bible. Listen. Heed it. It should be, you have become and are now dull. And becoming more dull. It's interesting, they're, they're once alert to the voice of God, but now they don't even listen. Or infrequently. Hebrews 6.12 says this, so that you will not be sluggish, be imitators of those through the faith and patience inherit the promises. Again, let me read that, Hebrews 6.12. I'll read each one twice if it's not going up on the screen for some reason. Well, we'll never get through the message. Okay. I'll read it twice. You mark it down. Hebrews 6.12 says this, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those through faith and patience inherit the promises. You know, that idea is that you not be sluggish, man. Don't be dull. Follow. Paul would say, follow me as I follow Christ, that each one of us here should be able to follow me as I follow Christ Jesus. That should be the goal of every person here that we should be able to lead people into all truth as the Holy Spirit leads you and me in truth. Years ago, my daughter, or our daughter, I said Judy, and, and our daughter was in the hospital in Kaiser, and Judy went out to get a, a, a coffee, and she got lost and couldn't find her way back. She just didn't know how to get there. She asked a person, they gave them bad directions, and at least she didn't understand. She went another person, another place, and she was at, at, at Starbucks, and she was asking again, and, and a guy says, well, just follow me. I'll stop in front of it, you go in. And it's funny, she had heard that story. Gail Irwin told a story like that in Texas one time, and, and she calls me, how do I get there? I don't know, I haven't been there for years. Let's pray. Isn't that interesting when you pray, God answers? But the story's not done. She went out again and got lost again. <laughs> the same thing happened to her again. God is faithful. Amen. We should be able to say to those around us, follow us as we follow Jesus Christ. They should look at our life and see there's something different. We believe in God. We believe he's coming. We're going to live our life differently. We're not fretting and worrying and condemning and judging. We're just going on in Christ. We're just enjoying Him one step at a time. Enjoying whatever He's doing in our lives. Let me read again Matthew 13, verses 14 through 15. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing, but you will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. For with the heart this people has become dull, and with their ears they scarcely hear. They've closed their eyes, otherwise they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart in return. And I would heal them. 
Now this is important to, to understand. Again, they once heard, but they became dull. But notice again, if, if it were on the screen, and maybe he's getting there, that will drop down in a second. They closed their eyes. They closed their ears. They decided, oh, oh, I know this passage. But they weren't heeding it. And God's heart was, again, if they would just return, I, I would heal them. That's the heart of God. God would heal them. You might, I might be that instrument in someone else's life as we're going through this life, maturing and growing, and, and people see, they need to see what a mature Christian looks like. Amos 8.11. Amos 8.11. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord of God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or thirst of water, but rather for hearing the word of the Lord. There's all got to be all these problems because the weather conditions and all that. But you know where the real famine is? Is in the church, in the word of God. People don't want to hear the word of God. God says, if you don't want to hear the word of God, you, you want to walk away from me, you don't want to focus on me, then I'll harden your heart is what he's saying. This is what he did to the heart of Pharaoh. God revealed himself to Pharaoh Again, he knew it was the hand of God and the finger of God. He says, no. And God says, okay, I'll harden your heart. God will fix his heart so he can't backpedal. He can't, if, if, if you don't want to believe, you don't want to trust in me, you don't want to rest in me, it's okay. I'll give you the desire of your heart. You won't want my word. You won't have a desire for it. And you'll suffer the consequences when that time comes. This is paving the way for apostasy. When many churches teach a, a, a passage, they spring away and never go back to it, take it out of its context, and the whole message is about illustrations. Fact is, we can become that illustration. If we do not hear and heed the word of God. See, their failure was to mature, to grow, to press on. It was a failure of the men to, to want to be men, to be elders, to be deacons, to be serving. The women to be Titus women, to be Sunday school teachers, to evangelize, to share with their neighbors and friends. They were just going through the moves. And this is what the warning's about. Look with me in verse 12. For though by this time you ought, notice the word ought, that's a key word to be teachers, but you need again for someone to teach you the elementary, the basic principles, the ABCs, we might say, of the oracles of God. And you come to need milk, not solid food. There, there was once a time they were there. They were excited. What happened? They fell in a rut, in a groove. Went back in the world. Got focused on something that distracted them. 
sometimes even the church. There are doctrines that people get way off on. And they're not being Bereans. They're not examining it, but, but they're just told that. Now, that word ought means to be under an obligation, to, to owe a debt. Anyone here owe a debt today? And I'm not talking about a credit card. No, we owe a debt to God. He gave his only begotten son for you and me upon the cross. And the greatest gift that you can give anyone is yourself. So the greatest gift that you can give God is yourself. That we put him first. We, we make him preeminent. This is not what they did. They had heard with their minds. They had become dull of hearing where they didn't want to hear anymore. They were not growing. They were not maturing. They came in the church. I don't know how long this is. Some say 15, 20 years. Some say 10 years. I don't know. But they were there quite a while, as the point is making. They should have been teachers. It wasn't church in the way that you and I know it. Meeting in houses. But still, again, meeting. Not connecting, not growing, not asking questions. See, these people owe a debt to God. To the church, to those around them. They're defaulting on it in a sense. I know I'm putting it in a legalistic way, but that's what that word means, ought, an obligation. The words that the author is using are very strong. We owe our lives to God. Again, these believers were, were saved long enough, that, and they heard enough teaching and preaching. They should have been teaching others. They should have been sharing with others. But they're still on the mill. We're, we're in that same boat today. We have, you know, when we put our radio station up, we, we applied. There wasn't a radio, Christian radio station in town. And all of a sudden, we had five Christian radio stations afterwards. That's more than some big cities have. And the church can be guilty too. Because the word of God is out there. It's available. It's on the internet. And I know there's a lot of rubbish there. I understand that. But if you're being led by God, he will lead you into all truth. Let me take you back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk to them when you sit in the house, and when you walk on the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. This is from an area in Deuteronomy which is called the Shema. It's where, again, how you're to raise your family. It's something that would be cited several times a day. Notice again what you're supposed to do with your kids. Man, it's to be constantly up on the Lord. But sometimes we're constantly on other conversations that are not edifying, not encouraging. In fact, sometimes some of the conversations are pretty depressing sometimes. Then in Colossians, it says, Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Amen? This is what all of us should be doing. What are we to be doing? Letting the word of Christ richly dwell within us. This is so important. This is a test. 
How are you individually doing? Not for me to know, for you. Where are you going? 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give account for the hope that lies within you in gentleness and reverence. I use another translation. Be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within. Is there a hope that lies within your heart? Do you know that if then when you close your eyes, you're going someplace else, you're going to be with the Lord for eternity? You need to be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within. If you cannot give that reason right now in your own mind, you need to get in the Word. If, you, if you're not getting the Word and, and you're not concerned about that right now, then you have apathy. You're in a backslidden place. You can email me. You can text me. You can write however you want to do. I'll help you. But this is the red flag. One of the marks of obedience is, is seen in passing the gospel on to others. What is the gospel? It's the good news of Jesus Christ, what he's done for you and me. What has he done? That's a simple thing to share. Let me tell you what God has done in my life. I was blind, but now I see. And you can tell a little bit of the, that, that blindness that you're in. Don't glorify it. But tell him what he's doing today, how he's snatched you out of that fire, held you close to his heart, and he's coming for you again. There's a dilemma. There's a dilemma. See, Romans 3.1 says this, Then what advantage has a Jew? Or a benefit of circumcision, great in every respect. First of all, he's entrusted the oracles to you, to the Jewish, and we're talking about a Jewish person, now a believer in Christ, professing believer. Hey, look, the scripture has been entrusted to them. What good is it if you don't take it anyplace? Do you know that the scripture is entrusted to you? That's why we're given that great commission, to take it and share it. Someone prayed for you. Someone shared it with you. Now, the ABCs of the, the law he's talking about, it, it's, it was what tutored the Hebrews. It's what brought them to, to Christ. Let me read Galatians 3, verse 23 and 24. But before faith came, we were kept in custody, notice, under the law, being shut up under faith, which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become a tutor, to lead us to Christ so that you may be justified by faith. Another translation puts it this way. The law is a schoolmaster to bring you to Christ. It's revealed your, your, your sinfulness and, and, and need of a Savior, and, and it's revealed who that Savior is, Jesus Christ. It brought you to Christ. But they couldn't share that. And the reason why, verse 13 tells us why, for everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. It was their, the problem was their, their diet. They're still on milk. See, 1 Peter 2 and 2 through 3 says this, Like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word, so that you may grow in respect to salvation, if you tasted the kindness of the Lord. Every one of us here have been guilty of probably watching rubbish. Would you agree? Years ago, I used to, um, I, I worked, I had a nursery about an hour away from where we lived, and I would get in, get a coffee at the end of the day, get food, I'd 
just pound the food down on the way home. By the time I got home, my wife has this beautiful dinner and I, I no longer had an appetite. And, and you know, in the physical way, you, and you have to be very careful, what you watch, what you listen to, because it'll rob you of that appetite, that word of God. Now, it's important to understand, uh, uh, again, let me read that scripture again. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed a to the word of righteousness. Now, that, that word means uh, unskilled, inexperienced, or ignorant. Just not knowing. Because they're just content. They can't chew. That's okay. They can't chew and then swallow anything, but they can take the milk down. That, that's enough. They're, another way of saying it, they're really lazy. Those are hard words. I'm sorry, but that's what the text is saying. We're just too lazy to read the Word of God. We have more important things to do instead of read the Word of God or sit down and, and spend time with God. And if you give anything to a baby, you know, they kind of, you know, you kind of go to the milk and then you have the, the, the cream foods, if you remember. That meat, oh my gosh, that baby meat, you know what I'm talking about. But, but, but you know, you have to transition them. When I teach, and every pastor, I'm assuming, that you've got to have something down here, the milk, you've got to have something in the bread, you've got to have something in meat, because you're, you're ministering to a mixed group of people. Now, it's, it's up to the individuals to partake of it. It's up to the individuals to want to grow and, and dig in. If they're only depending upon a, a Sunday or a Thursday or even a Wednesday, message is not enough. You, you need to personally be fed by God as well. But he's given teachers, I understand that. But you need to sit at the feet of Jesus yourself. We'll see in verse 14, our final verses, we look at that. See, their discernment was weak. It says in verse 14, For the solid food is for the mature, because of practice they have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Solid food's for the mature. So the one that is on milk doesn't have discernment. He, he, he hasn't learned, he hasn't practiced to tell whether this is good or bad, whether this is of God or not of God. The discernment comes by knowing God's word and hiding in our hearts that we do not sin against them. That you naturally know, no, this is not going to honor God. This person that's on milk will come to me or come to another pastor and simply say, well, you know, um, how close can I get to the line and still be saved? How much can I, you know, really do? How, how much can I drink? How much can I party? How many women can I go out with? I'm serious. That's a person who doesn't know God. That's something that each one of us should know in our own hearts. Why? Every pastor wants to be there, I believe, to answer those questions. And we take you back to the Word of God. It's a question that really needs to be answered between you and God personally. See, the baby needs the milk. But he can't stay on the milk forever and expect to grow. 
And yet that's where some people are at. They don't discern because they don't mature. Milk satisfies the hunger of the baby because that's all he knows. And our goal is to help you grow, is to stretch you, to, to mature you. Well, the, the milk nourishes a baby, but it will not help a baby continue to grow at the rate that it should grow. Because he's not to be a baby forever. These are things that we need to show our kids and we need to show the world. My kids, again, the, the, the goal of any parent is to prepare your kids for the world. But, you know, they're going to go out in the world. And we have to prepare them for the world. They need to understand what God says about this. They need to understand what God says about that. Because they, they're going to go in that world. And when we see them go out, and if they've not moved from that milk to the bread to the meat, we see the consequences. We see the failure. We see the pain. We see the sorrow. Just as you would physically help them spiritually, how much more? So we need to take them from the, the, the meat and the potatoes. That they move on in that sense. The whole idea here is that there needs to be spiritual development. And for parents, it starts in our lives. They have to see that we are wanting to be everything that God would have us be. So, we can, so they want to follow us. And you know your kids want to follow you. They want to do as you do. And it's very important that we get in this word. We know this word. That we're growing. And that we can sit down and tell them how important it is to grow. God really wants to take us deeper, deeper than we've ever been. This is so important. He wants to take you deeper. Now, the deeper is not always in, 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 in really knowing all this. A lot of people, I know a lot of people know a lot of things and they can regurgitate it. But if they don't have that heart knowledge, heeding it, that's what's important. They've got to be able to heed it, live it out, walk it out, be able to speak that truth and love. If a person doesn't, then he becomes like what 1 Corinthians 3 talks about. In 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 3, it says this, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but men of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not able to receive it. Indeed, even now you're not able, for you're still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, you're fleshly, and you are not walking like mere men. The Corinthians were a bunch of spiritual babies. Again, verse 14 says this, solid food is for the mature. No, the mature simply means to, to grow up. Every parent ex expects their babies to grow, to mature, to advance, to adulthood. To, you want them to go further than you've ever gone. You have, have more hope for them than sometimes that we do for ourselves. They're going to have their own personal experiences that they're going to go through and they're going to learn from. Now, the Holy Spirit uh, can guide them in that scripture, but the person has to come to that scripture. We have to show them the importance of the scripture. The believer that doesn't grow and doesn't develop, he's really sickly. He's unhealthy. And that's the state of the church 
today. That's a phrase that says senses trained. That's the idea. They have an exercise. That's where we get our word gymnasium from. They haven't disciplined themselves. They haven't taken time for God, for the word. 1 Timothy 4, 7 says this, but have nothing to do with worldly fables fit for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. We need to really look what the word of God is saying, do a cross-reference. What does it mean to be godly? You need to be able to know in your own heart, and, and if somebody asks, what, what's a Christian supposed to look like? And you should be able to say, follow me as I follow Christ Jesus. He's a man of the word. He reads with the intent to hear God. He wants to learn everything he can about God. He wants to follow God in all of his ways. See, the mature Christian who partakes really of and experiences the meat of God's word is the man who really has the capacity to discern good from evil, to make intelligent decisions. We should stand out in such a way that when people are going through a difficult time, they, they've seen our lives and say, you know what, I want to talk to him. I've seen what he's gone through. I know what he's gone through, and yet he's calm, he's patient, he's kind, he's forgiving. He loves his wife, he loves his kids, he loves our community. The final question, is that you? Is that me? See, it's not enough just to teach it. It's something to leave you with something to examine your own heart. That's what the scripture says. The, the, the message here really is, is, is very important. It's, it's really time to grow up. Maybe you've grown up, but you're still here. We should be very confident of this thing that he who began a good work in you and me, he will finish it. But the question is, will I yield to him? Father, we thank you for this challenging, convicting text for all of us, for myself as well. Lord, we do want to repent of anything that's in our life that needs to change. And so we continue with the, the request, Lord, that you would search our hearts, show us if there's any wicked way. Lord, that we would turn back to you. We would come in line with you. We would confess what needs to be confessed and know that we're washed as white as snow.